18 minutes to 9 and let's talk about technology and let's talk about technology within the e-hailing space and the safety that we expect these apps to have. So in essence, e-hailing is just the the act or process of ordering a car or a, or a ride, whether it's a limousine or a bucky, if that's the case, or a, a whole kumbi. It depends on what your needs are. But you do all of this through an app and voila, the car arrives and there's a payment either pre or on arrival and then you go. But it's never that simple. So we'll unpack the safety elements from a a technological point of view when we look at how the apps are set up and how they can help us um, in uh, being safer when we use these platforms. Barry Maurice joins us in the studio, fourth industrial revolution specialist and a very interesting bio, including, uh, amongst other things, a confused millennial who shares his thoughts and creative projects on his blog, barrymaurice.com. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm excellent. And yourself? Very good. Thank you. Barry, the communicator of ideas. I mean, when we talk about e-hailing services, they certainly have changed the game, haven't they? It's a bit crazy to think that if you were to tell someone that 10 years ago that today we'd be stepping into a stranger's car and driving to a strange place that you don't know the person and everyone would be okay with that, people would tell you you were crazy. Mm, it's mm. absolutely changed the game and it's completely transformed what the transport system is looking like all across the world. Mm. Now, now it's interesting you mentioned hopping into a stranger's car because you download the app, whatever it is, whether it's Uber or Bolt or Taxify, whatever the story is. And you put in your destination and where you are currently, where you'd like to be picked up, and you're expecting to be picked up and dropped off and to at least know who the driver is. Is that enough from a safety point of view in making sure that you as a user are safe? So that's the big debate at the moment. And that's kind of the, the trend that we've been seeing with all these sharing economies and things like Airbnb, et cetera, where you're trusting the network, you're trusting the market to decide if that person is legit and if they, if they are the right person to stay with or to take a drive with, et cetera. Mm. And so we are trusting the companies that are, are providing these, these services that they're doing the right background checks and the right kind of pre-work to ensure a driver is vetted before they get onto the platform. Mm. The struggle is that because they're trying to meet this ever-increasing demand, they need to get more and more drivers drivers day in day out and so the demand for rides is growing so fast they have to keep getting drivers on fast and hopefully the safety standards that are being used to vet these 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 guys aren't actually dropping as they're trying to get drivers on as quickly as they can i mean let's look at the app itself yeah is there anything on the app that you know is pro safety that empowers me or enables me to make the right choices before i say yes come pick me up yeah, so I think I think the key thing is looking at the rating of the drivers. So the rating system is the key innovation that kind of allowed this marketplace to happen. Mm. Like the, the wisdom of the crowds comes together to say that this driver has been vetted over the last 1,000 rides and he's got a 4.8 star rating. And that gives me some form of confidence that this guy is is going to be give me a safe ride. That's the first piece. The second piece is simple things like checking the, the registration of the driver, checking the photo and checking that the license plate actually matches. Mm. A lot of the horror stories we've heard about have been passengers not being skeptical enough and not being aware enough and checking that those things actually match up mm. on the app. And that's a key safety feature that just comes from the passenger side that Uber and these guys are pushing passengers to actually focus on to make sure that when the ride is coming, make sure you're getting in the right car, make sure the guy driving is the same person you've seen on the app, make sure the photo matches up. And those small things often solve a lot of the problems we're facing. Now, one of the other things is experience. And I know you touched on driver rating, but we have had instances where um, and, and I've seen a lot with women complaining about the male drivers yes. uh, and how uh, you know, violent some of them can be and aggressive. 
Now, I don't know if these apps empower us with enough information to be able to tell if a driver is that sort. Yeah, that's, that's the struggle. I mean, some of them have been looking to get more textual data from passengers. So some of them you can give a comment or you can give some sort of sticker to the driver depending on how the drive went. But like you say, we don't have enough information to know. And that's, that's, that's one of the cons of these kind of marketplace ideas is that at scale, these companies don't have the ability to provide a, an in-depth bio as to each driver mm. and an in-depth understanding of what that driver is going to do. So that is something that we have to think about very carefully and whether we need more information on that app or maybe give the passenger a right to decline a ride if they don't like the driver Mm. or decline Mm. decline a certain route if they don't like the route. Mm. Barry, what about a a panic button on the various apps that you use, obviously, to get this e-hailing taxi? Uh, Not only a panic button for the passenger, but for the driver as well, because sometimes they also get accosted by unruly passengers. So I guess it will work both ways. Definitely. And and a lot of the apps are building that right now. So Uber, I know, for example, has a a safety feature in their app, which is a panic button that you can press at any time, like you say, either as a driver or as the passenger. And that will alert emergency services to come to wherever that person is or Mm. just alert alert the company to send send help. Mm. On top of that, a lot of these companies are installing telematics devices into the cars themselves to monitor things like acceleration, braking, route diversion, etc. So they can try and use artificial intelligence to predict when a driver is maybe going off route and taking mm. someone away or when something has happened, whether it's a crash, whether it's um, speeding, etc. etc. So a lot of this real-time data monitoring mm. is allowing them to then predict if something's going to happen and try and be there in a place to help rather than find out an hour later. Interesting. And I, I, I'm hoping that it's also standardized. I mean, is there a sense of, you know, best practice in terms of standards to ensure that all e-hailing services have a base in terms of, you know, what they do in terms of, you know, their mechanisms for safety and all of that? So that's my biggest criticism at the moment is that there is no standard. Because this stuff is so new, Mm. regulation is still quite far behind and the guys writing the laws and writing those standards haven't even got there yet. Mm. And we've seen this across the world. Like Uber has grown so fast across the world and scaled so quickly that they've really caused fights with the major governments and major taxi associations all across the world. Mm. What we see in South Africa is just a small microcosm of the the global impact of this technology Mm. and regulation and standards just haven't caught up. So as you say, I think we do need to be thinking carefully about how do we keep these guys accountable? How do we make sure that these companies are not just going based on their economic incentives and trying to make as much profit as possible, mm. but also have some sort of accountability to the stakeholders that they're, they're taking, making sure the passenger safety is their number one priority and remains their number one priority as they grow and grow and grow as fast as they can. So regulation needs to catch up quickly. Right. Uh, we're glad that you're listening in on this conversation because a lot of us do use e-hailing services for a number of reasons. Um, and uh, we'd love to get your thoughts from an experiential point of view, things you feel e-hailing services can improve on, whether it's the app or some technology that can be used within the actual rides themselves. 089-110-3377 will take your call. And we're hanging out with Barry Maurice, fourth industrial revolution specialist, and of course, talking about technology involved in making these e-hailing services safer. It is the morning flavor. Tim Mosher and Mr. Brown with rain on me. It is eight minutes to nine o'clock. And on the morning flavor today, we're looking at technology with our e-hailing services where you are using an app to request a service from a car to be transported from A to B, even sometimes A to B before getting to D, going through C as well. But of course, from an experiential point of view, what have you experienced? And from a safety point of view, What are these apps doing and these services doing to ensure that you as users and indeed as drivers uh, are on the safe side? 
I've been in Ubers a number of times where drivers complain about, you know, certain areas that they just simply don't go to because they've been either hijacked or robbed or attacked in those particular areas. And to unpack all of that, we're joined in studio by Barry Maurice, fourth industrial revolution specialist, just looking at some of the realities around the tech. All right, Barry, we'll go straight to the line. We'll go to Tato in Kempton Park. Tato, good morning. Morning, morning, the team. Are you good? Good morning, how are you? Good, good, good. Go ahead, Barry's here. Good, thank you very much. Uh, Barry, I've got a problem. Um, I, I lost my phone. Well, they snatched it out of my hand, and the person who snatched it out of my hand yeah. well, jumped into the cab that I had requested, and there was quite a lot of people in the car, and they drove off. And when I tried logging on uh, with my PC, it said it couldn't log in. And when I said forgot password, it said email not found. So I want to know how about we go with regards to that because I wanted to track the whole thing down, you know, mm. know who, which car, who took my phone and everything like that. Just a question there. What service was it that you requested on? Um, I was on versus Taxify. All right. Uh, Barry, in instances like that, uh, something gets lost in a, in a vehicle. What happens? Yeah, I think the best the best thing to do is actually go to the company themselves and explain the situation. So what they will have is they will have GPS data of all of their riders and all of the drivers, um, and ideally your phone if you're using the app. And so you'd have to go to them to try and track where where, where that rider was, where the drive went, and, and take it up from there. The, the trouble is that often it's hard to get hold of these guys because a lot of them are international companies and may not have local presences in, oh. in-house. And so to get hold of them is a bit, a bit of a challenge, but that's your only real, real form of recourse, unfortunately. I mean, I remember... L- l- forgetting my phone in an uber and fortunately i was able to send a message and i got a reply and and, and uh, you know long story short the driver was able to get in touch with me and indeed after a couple of trips they brought my phone back mm. uh, and of course i had find my iphone which helped a lot but not everybody has that and not everybody uses uber um, so the international thing is a big thing it's it's, it's quite a, a thing that can hamper on on you know progress in such situations definitely and that's and that's why there's a big push for localization of these companies right so getting the uber south africa team to understand the unique context that we're in here in south africa all these apps are built in silicon valley in beijing in london around the world and the challenges they face there are not the same challenges we face here in south africa hmm. so these apps need to think about localization and look thinking about what is a south african user need that's unique in the world and how do we build the app in a way that caters to those sorts of needs totally we'll go to anonymous anonymous good morning Hi, good day, how are you? Very well, and you? Well, thanks. Um, my thing is, I come from Alvarado Park, right? Mm-hmm. And my husband is a tow truck driver. So every weekend, they are um, taxify or the other companies that is being hijacked, right? So that also prevents us from, like, getting an Uber because then they say, no, they're not going to come to Alvarado Park. And so, how do you also have the safety for the drivers itself? Because by, it is a very traumatizing experience when we go and fix them and then the car, the keys are being taken and the, they are being beaten up. So, how do you protect your drivers? Mm. Right. Now, as a driver, my safety is also important. I'm also sure. a human being and I've got rights. 
Is there any way that these services alert me on the problem areas, say the hijack hotspots or whatever? Yeah, so what, what a lot of them are trying to do is they're trying to find safer spots to do pickups. So spots where there are more people, maybe where there's a, a, like more lights, etc., and trying to push drivers to pick up people in those areas. Unfortunately, kind of the way these services have been sold is that you can be picked up outside of your door, no matter when, no matter where, and etc. Mm. And maybe we need to rethink that a little bit and think a bit more carefully about maybe there should be designated pickup spots in these problem areas where um, perhaps we can provide more security or more safety for, for riders and drivers in those areas when they're trying to pick up rides. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, for example, if you are an owner of a vehicle and you have a tracking device with a tracking company that you are enlisting the services of, they, they can send you SMS notifications telling you of areas that are, are hijacked hotspots where cars get stolen the most. And I just wonder if the same applies for, for some of the, the drivers of, of these services. Mm. Yeah, so definitely should. Mm. Definitely should. All right. Now, um, what does the future look like in terms of safety and, you know, where we are with e-hailing? I think, I think the future is, is quite exciting. I think that this technology is very nascent. It's very new. It's only been around a few years and it's kind of changed the way we think about getting transport and getting rides. Um, as, it, as it develops and we start to understand, cool, what does it look like if this gets to real scale where it takes over the majority of the rides on the road? Um, it really allows for interesting data-driven plays to be put in place. At the end of the day, with all the fourth industrial revolution stuff, data is the key asset. Data is the, 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 the asset that's going to unlock a lot of the value. Mm-hmm. And if these companies can use this data effectively can understand traffic patterns, understand crime patterns, understand where these incidents are happening. They can make plans and make um, opportunities for drivers and riders to be in safer environments. And that's kind of the way they need to be thinking about it on a macro level, especially in a South African context where we struggle with it so much. Do you still believe there's more place for other uh, rivals that come into the market when it comes to e-hailing services? It's very hard. It's very, very hard because of the, the, the scale these guys have got. What's interesting for me is there's some unique use cases. Um, for example, there's a brand new one that's trying to get started in Cape Town called Chauffeur, mm-hmm. which is an all-female one. So ah. catering for female riders and female drivers, yes. obviously trying to tackle some of the gender violence we see in the country so that's an interesting use case Mm. I'm not sure if that'll be like a huge scalable business but there's opportunities I think for smaller use cases that are serving a specific need in a smaller area Mm. unfortunately Mm. the Ubers and the Bolts of the world have huge scale at this point to try and compete with them is very very challenging for a new tech startup Mm. I think one thing that has stood out strongly in our conversation Barry is the localized sense of things Mm. And I think it's very important to have that. I mean, we've got Facebook Africa, which is based here in Johannesburg and, and the like. So maybe just broadly, we need to have a more localized approach. If people want to get in touch with you or find out what you're working on, what you're busy with, where do we find you, Barry? Uh, so I'm Barry Maurice on all social platforms. And my blog is at barrymaurice.com. Um, so I write a lot about technology, about what's coming. My, my major focus is artificial intelligence. So I love that stuff. So please get in touch if you're interested in that. Fantastic, Barry. We'll certainly get you back in one day to talk about a lot of other crazy and cool things happening out there. Thank you. Thanks for your time. Wonderful stuff. Uh, Barry Maurice, uh, Fourth Industrial Revolution Specialist. You can find him on Barry Maurice, which is M-O-R-I-S-E dot com. And with that, it is a wrap from us. Already? Yeah. Good morning. No, hang on. What? Good luck to the Springboks. Yes, oh, firstly. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Go Bokka! <laughs> and and, and can, can we mix up the bench so that when we have a bomb squad, it's not an all-white bomb squad? Uh-huh. Do you understand? Uh-huh. I'm, I'm sure lessons have been learned. I'm uh-huh. sure lots of lessons have been learned. And listen, we're going we're gonna to do some serious damage to the Canadians today, and then we'll book our place in the quarterfinals, and we're going to progress from there. Oh, yeah, certainly. So with that said, good morning. Good day. And good vibrations and vibes. <laughs> And all those things v- that go v- with it. Vibrations. V- 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 <laughs> it's, it's a little early for that, isn't it? <laughs>
It's Phil not. needs it. No, what? You need to get better. Positive vibrations. Positive vibrations. You know? Positive vibrations, man. I think Lerato Khanyaho knows all about that. <laughs> it's time for news. We're kicking off the show with Naima K. Sogalam, South Africa. Welcome to it. It is time for the bridge now, eight minutes after nine o'clock in the morning. It's a Tuesday, meaning it's a health Tuesday. We're choosing all things healthy, except for my breakfast, though. Uh, that's a different story I admired your breakfast. I saw it. Smells good because of the acha. Mm. But everything else, I said, no. It's a mess. It's a mess. No. You know what? I tried my level best. I tried my level best. But you can afford to have breakfast like that because you don't gain weight like I, we do. Wait a minute. For me, it's not even about the weight gain. And that's where my complaint with myself sure. comes in. It's mm. not even about the weight gain. It's literally about your body organs, mm. your organs, the mm. important ones, the vital ones. Cholesterol yeah. shows yeah. in healthy. different ways and forms mm. and not only in obesity. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I could choke up my liver, my kidneys, my arteries mm. anytime yeah. with the fat intake. But nonetheless, we say... Uh, but at least you're aware. I'm aware. Yeah. I'm very much yeah. aware. Welcome to it. Good morning, everybody. We are hoping you're having a pleasant Tuesday so far. Very, very big thank you to the Morning Flavor team for getting us off on the right note. So you heard us speaking about health right now. Mm. We're kicking off the show with the daily audit and uh, we're asking one very important question that affects our pockets, mm. but also affects our health comeback. Correct. When we depreciate health-wise, mm. how how do we bounce back if we can't afford this? Yeah. So the question we're asking you is, is medical aid becoming unaffordable? Oy. Yeah. Breaks my heart. Listen, listen. And I think about us who can afford medical aid, yeah. how we are complaining and find it very expensive. Yeah. So imagine the ones that don't, that can't afford, that don't yeah. have jobs, but you know, need the health care, that are desperate to be treated, mm. but can't be treated because they don't have access or they can't afford medical aid. So that's mm. what we're talking about. 089 Actually, oh. how much are you paying for your medical aid? Also let us know. Yeah. 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 I think I'm going to, I'm going to squeeze in another question there on top mm. of the one that you just mm. asked. How much are you paying for your medical mm. aid? I think it's also very important now speaking to our executive producer Tato just mm-hmm. now outside um, that we understand the affordability package yeah. of our medical aid. Mm. Do we understand mm. the packages we have signed up for? The fine print. The fine print. Mm. Or is it going to spring up on us mm. the moment we are in desperate need of uh, hospital care yeah. and then we're told by the medical aid that no, but we only cover this much. Yeah, This is as far as we can take yeah. you. Yeah. So you we we cover 500,000 rand, sure, yeah. but your op is going to cost you 2 million rand. Mm. Do we understand what we're signing up for when mm. we get into medical aid? Uh, talk to us, 089-110-3377. We still have a jam-packed show. Yeah, we have Ask a Man, Second Hour, DL Invasion. You and Somizi are choosing this week. Oh, we are? And um, yes, yes, you are, you are. And then uh, later on between 11.20 and 11.40, of course, uh, the last round of uh, Coffee Break Music Fix. And uh, what else do we have on the show? We've got a health interview, mm. a private healthcare investigation speaking to TBC. And uh, we're actually talking about the you know the discussion that we're having this morning absolutely yeah. absolutely so if you miss it in this hour catch it in the last hour of the show here's an opening statement for the show on Lerato's chest this is what we're choosing today kindness it's mm-hmm. cool to be kind welcome to it